It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast, a midweek edition, previewing the Leinster match. I'm Rob Murphy, unusual presenting scenario, because I'm at the press conference. We're on the terrace here in the sports ground. Alan Deegan is here as well. You popped along to the press conference? I did indeed. Had to. John's last press conference as a Connacht player. I just had to be here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, William can't be here, but he will be back on board at the weekend. Lindy McKenzie, welcome along. Hi, I'm probably like John. I've probably been to about how many how many caps have I had at press conferences? I'm not sure. Oh yeah, yeah. you could be leading the uh, pro pro 14, and that you'd certainly be up there on the charts. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, certainly realizing that John Muldoon, close to uh, not far off, 15 year career with Connacht, and certainly in terms of uh, debut in 2003 against the Borders here in October, uh, and that was only a week after to be. Clannetly in the Celtic Cup as I was looking at the report that you sent me Alan that was mm. Mark McHugh kicking the late penalty to beat them they were good days uh, he's seen the ups and the downs we have a long interview with John Muldoon to come but uh, it's uh, it's going to be a big day at the weekend it is it is um, I think it's, it's I, I believe there's extra seating or extra stands uh, being put in I know I, I put out my thing at my work where I, I ask people that they want tickets because we got we got some tickets at work that we buy um, and there's been a much bigger response this week than there has been for quite a while so I think it's going to be a huge game uh, for John and hopefully the team can give us something to cheer about It reminds me Lindley a bit of Eric Elwood's last uh, game in charge as, as a head coach of the team because that was all about the one man as well and it was an incredible reception for Eric, Eric at the end and I would be very surprised if it's any different for John will do yeah look they're both very similar characters mm. as well aren't they I mean and their longevity similar characters the, the fact that they actually you know play with their head and their heart very much so and yes I wouldn't expect anything else other than this is John Muldoon's last occasion here at the sports ground as a player as a professional player L- delighted that it's actually Leinster who were coming uh, I think he actually made his 300th cap against Leinster as well. Hmm. They didn't lose. On, they didn't win on that occasion, Connacht, unfortunately. But maybe you know, and I don't think we'd expect them to win against, as as Kieran Keane says, probably the team in in Europe. And they will come down here as the team in Europe. So, mm-hmm. but I think the occasion of it, it's good that it will be a home crowd. It's good that the the Leinster supporters will be here to to celebrate with with John Muldoon as well, and. I expect it to be a very emotional occasion as well for many people. John Muldoon sat down with me uh, before today's press conference. It's some week, John, I'd say for you personally, I'd say it's just it's quite a strange one too because you've been involved in build-ups to games before, but this one's all about you. <laughs> I don't know if it's all about me, but... Um it certainly gets the feel of that during the week. I had to go into the marketing team earlier in the week, uh, last week, and trying to get a handle on, um, trying to pull them back a little bit. But I'm just going to have to sit and suffer, I think. So, um, yeah, look, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's been a strange build-up for the last few days, and um, while it's quite difficult to to listen to everyone and to, it feels like someone's going to nail me into the coffin on uh, at around half four or five o'clock on Saturday evening it's uh, it's a strange one it's um, without sounding too bad and uh, it feels like it feels it's quite hard to um, to, to take like I, I don't feel like I deserve any any recognition and um, obviously I'm going to get a bit because I've been here for so long but I don't feel like I deserve anything more than the likes of Brownie or anyone else who's leaving at the end of the season and um, yeah so while I'm obviously chuffed about everything it, it's yeah 
it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> yeah. Being the your attention. Like, maybe just stop and playing rugby as well. I mean, is, is, there, is there part of you just, just going to miss miss that in particular is it like is that does that weigh on your head when you know that this is the last time you'll be playing probably any rugby I presume yeah absolutely um I suppose without jumping forward in the question the fact that I'm going into a professional rugby environment lessens the blow a small bit mm. um but at the end of the day I'll never ever replace what that feeling is and that atmosphere and that connection with other people that you have when you play rugby or when you have team sports at the end of the day we'll um, we come back here in every year or I've come back here every year and you, you do a bit of training on your own during the summer you stay fit you come back you're happy to see all the lads while my um uh, my way of doing it was trying to avoid the sports ground like the plague and not even driving up College Road which was my own mental way of getting away from the sports ground you still train you still do everything you come back you're happy to see everyone there's a buzz about the place and you train hard for two months getting ready for the season and um, you have bad days you have good days and that feeling when you sit in the dressing room and after a game and you've seen someone at their strongest and you've seen someone at their weakest and um, you lay it all out in the pitch and if you're good enough you're good enough if you're not you're not and those days are gone for me um, and I'll never be able to replace that with anything else and that's going to be tough um, that's going to be um, something that everyone misses and just even the day-to-day dealings with players and the day-to-day dealings with the lads and I've said it numerous times the dressing room is a very um teenage environment or adolescent environment and it can be um, it can be funny it can be uh, it can be everything that you want it to be and if you buy into it and um, obviously after 17 years um, I let a few of the other lads be the jokers in the dressing room and do what they want to do but I still enjoy the the um, the childish behaviour that goes with it and uh, my wife sometimes has to remind me that I'm, I'm a grown adult and I'm about to become a father at times because uh, yeah it can be um, you can bring those things home sometimes and you, she, has, she looks at me and says you're 35 years of age cop on <laughs> um, so <laughs> it's uh, I'll miss all that and I'll miss the days when you sit in um, and this is going to sound weird I'll miss the days you sit in and um, You've, you're sitting there knowing that you could have won a game and there's a bit of despair and you have to pick yourself up and you've got to come in on Monday morning and try and get better and try and improve yourself and pr- improve other people and obviously I'm going to miss the, the days where you sit down and you have a beer afterwards and you know you've you've done a good job and there's just that buzz after winning and everything that goes with that and that good, that feeling that um, your body is emotionally and physically drained but you're, you're sitting there and you don't have a care in the world for those 10 minutes while you're sitting with the lads after winning with or without a beer or whatever it is it's um, it's no no feeling will ever replace that but on the other side of it I'm I'm going to be standing in the next um, I suppose best place to be which is a coach and that can be rewarding and um, frustrating at the same time I have to wonder and I feel confident of this where the, if the title hadn't come the reception you'll get tomorrow wouldn't have changed and I just wanted to get your perspective on maybe all those players who retire after long careers and never get a trophy um, where does that trophy fit in in terms of validating your career because as I said the fans would validate your career whether you had won the title or not it's huge because um, when you're a kid and you dream of winning and 
in the back garden you put up numerous trophies over your head whether it's soccer American football hurling rugby whatever it is you, you dream tennis if it's Wimbledon when it's on and whatever it is but kids get attracted to sports and rugby is, is going through a purple patch at the moment it's because of the, the amount of success that the provincial teams have had and the Irish team have had Hurling is going through huge benefits at the moment because of what Galway did last year. And that those things won't be seen for five, ten years. Mm. But at the end of the day, you're, you are out there and you're, you're obviously branded on the success that you have. And um, I've had a lot of bad days in, in Connacht jerseys, but um, I, I genuinely felt sorry for some of the people that had gone before me when um, we were going through that... F- that I suppose latter days of the the Pro 12 final win because um, part of me felt bad for the people that were missing out because it was they had put as much into the jersey and people probably had put more than I had into the jersey and I felt bad because I was the one front and centre taking all the attention lifting a trophy over my head when people um, and very very good friends of mine um, weren't there to experience it and while um, uh, I met lots of them after and the the day that night that day um, leading up to it, part of me felt bad for them and um, I was I suppose you take stock and you have to think to yourself geez I'm I lucky to be here and I'm aren't I um, I suppose privileged to be the person out the front lifting the trophy but um, it didn't it didn't bother me either <laughs> if anyone lifted that trophy it wouldn't have bothered me um, obviously it was I was proud of the fact that it was it was me that got to do it, but it wouldn't have, wouldn't have cared. And um, when people have asked me over the years why I didn't leave Connacht, that was the one reason why I didn't leave Connacht. Because um, while at times I questioned if it would ever happen, I always believed that we, as a team, were good enough. And um, even the current crop, I think, we're still good enough. But we're just going through a transition paid, uh, period at the moment, and um, the confidence and self belief isn't there at the moment. But um, there's good enough players to, to be up there again um, competing for that Alright, last question for me for now and we'd love to get a chance to talk to you maybe when things settle down afterwards but nearly 15 years ago you, you came onto the field against the Borders in Galway as you pointed out yeah. um, your longevity like the, what, what do you attribute it to? Yeah, um, luck has a lot to do with it um, there's obviously a, a huge element of luck and uh, good fortune obviously everyone gets injuries that's that's part of sport that's part of uh, contact sport I've had a few of them some people would say they came at bad times and whatever else and yeah that that might be true but I think um, I've I've always had a um, <laughs> well I've never had any speed so that that ruled out muscle injuries straight away so that's uh, that's one side of it unlike someone like Matt Healy who's um, got fast twitch fibres I'm the opposite end of the scale to that so that that ruled out muscle injuries but look um, the last couple of years I think uh, when Johnny came back from England Johnny and myself did a a satanic college course and um, we learned a lot about body makeup and how to um, look after yourself and um, what the young lads do now and what the lads do before trainings um, we probably started that and it was Johnny who really started pushing it um, seven or eight years ago and it's no coincidence that Johnny now is in the gym 
um, leading that from an S&C point of view but um, Johnny really opened up his eye or my eyes to how to look after your body and I think um, that's helped me down through the years and it's certainly um, I think helped the longevity of it and as I said a look look is a long a lot to do with it as well Back here on the terrace, uh, this is my fourth attempt at linking to the Kieran Keane audio. I don't know why, I'm just stumbling over my words today. That's uh, end of season jitters, perhaps. Anyways, Kieran Keane was speaking to us in the press conference and had lots to say on John Muldoon and Leinster. Kieran, uh, this is a big game at the weekend, probably bigger than it would have been uh, in any other season because of John Muldoon's last game for Connacht. So maybe. Just give us an idea of the context of that and what, what it means to the players to deliver a victory to finish the campaign. Oh, look, I think it's a, it's a great occasion for Mull, but it's also a huge occasion for the club. It's a celebration of uh, an incredible um, life in rugby, really. You know, a single club and play 300 plus 327 games. It's a hell of an achievement by anybody. Um, and I think it's to be celebrated um, because you don't often come across that. And it's, it's wonderful. Wonderful for him, but also for Connacht. There's a huge crowd coming. It just underlines as much, doesn't it, in terms of their extending the terraces now, uh, the memories that have been left here from, from John's career. And obviously they'd love to see Connacht finish with a win as well. Haven't they? I, absolutely. Like we, We'd love to... Uh, be able to achieve that mm. for for the man, uh, but also you know for the occasion. Um, yeah, look, I I think it's a tremendous accolade um, that the people are coming out to to say their fond farewell. Um, personally, I think it's um, it says a few things about the individual. You know, somebody that sticks around in the same environment for such uh, you know a long time. And, and leads the club on and off the field. Uh, so he's been a true talisman for Connor. The last few weeks of the season, do you feel like it's been tailing off a little bit? Do you feel like the form's been dropping off? And it, does there have to be a big upsurge at the weekend? I'm not sure, um, to be fair. We've asked that question, um, and we've asked it of individuals, and we've also asked, asked it of the team, and, and the team that's been picked each week. So uh, the answer only lies probably within, but the question has been asked. I'm just wondering, does the, a performance the next day, do you look at, will you look at it in isolation or does it inform what you're trying to do for next season as well in terms of how the players can step up for this final game? I don't... You know, like, these are local derbies and, and when I arrived here, they, um, I sensed a total different atmosphere around them. Um, uh, they boys want to play. Boys are disappointed uh, in the changing rooms because they're not on the team. Um, so you know that's a hell of a good sign for a coach. Mm. The Ospreys' performance was very disappointing. You, did you take anything positive from the Glasgow game to build towards this uh, this contest and something that you can take away from it? Oh, I've, I think you're raising big issues within the season. Probably mm. um, the lack of consistency and. A number of other variables there, so um, I think there's no one answer I could give you. Honestly, I could fudge it for you, but um, 
I'm not very good at that. And I think it's appreciated that you don't. Leinster come here now, obviously in great form. They'll pr- whether they change around their side a little bit, I, I presume it's probably not a good thing that they lost your visa the week before because they won't want to lose two out of three. Um, you're, that's going to just make it that bit harder, isn't it? Oh, Leinster were awesome. I've, I thought they were wonderful. Um, uh, they've certainly hit their straps at the right time. Um, they, uh, they really put in a, a powerful performance. Which, you know, let's see if they can bag it up. We'll, we'll make it a good challenge. And uh, just a quick thanks to sportsnewsireland.com for their help with this podcast. Um, they're hosting us on their site and helping us to get the news out about Connacht Rugby and promoting our podcast so thanks very much to them Alright back here on the terrace Alan you were in the press conference uh, listeners won't have heard maybe some of the wider chat that Kieran Keane and uh, John Muldoon had with the written media so maybe a little bit of your inter- impressions on that and uh, just in general Yeah I think Kieran Keane looked very relaxed I think he's he's talked about time and having time and how it takes time to get things in place and a lot of you know there were so many new things that happened this season and it's taken time to settle in and um, he's looking forward to a, a nice long pre-season in which he can get it sorted for next season um, which was which was interesting and and mentioned about John <laughs> well, I, I had a line I was going to ask and I said no I better not I was going to say to John you know John what first attracted you to the billionaire club Bristol Bears but I decided I wouldn't do it but KK more or less did <laughs> when he mentioned the fact that you know I think somebody asked a question about you know John losing out on financial reward for playing. If he, he mentioned it himself, he John mentioned it, it himself. Did. Yeah, the fact that he'd stayed as, as a one club and he had had offers and he had lost out possibly financially, but it was all in good humour. With yes. him now going to Bristol, and as Kieran Keane pointed out, well, don't worry, you are going to Bristol now. Yes. <laughs> here's, here's another little clip from the press conference on John's uh, mentioning whether he was going to start his coaching career with Bristol or Connacht. Obviously, I'm going to contradict myself here. The, the, while being in Connacht has been and staying a one club man is is one of my proudest moments. Um, I think to better yourself and to experience something different. And I spoke to KK in November, and we we had this conversation. And um, anyone that knows me, maybe when the microphone isn't fully in my face, they'll get the, the truth 99% of the time. And um, I admire KK because. It's straight down the middle, and um, there's no um, to and fro. When you go in, you sit down, and the truth comes from both sides of the table. And um, I told him that I was probably that I was retiring at the end of the season, and that I was going to look to try and get a coaching role outside of Connacht. And KK said it straight away to me: it would be a good option for me to maybe break the cord. And for me, I think emotionally to get away from Connacht. Um, and break that cord for a while and to experience something different um, to experience a new league different people and um, the biggest thing I'm going to have is for anyone that knows me trying to remember everyone's name is a big problem so um, going into 40 odd people and not knowing any of their names is going <laughs> to be the most stressful thing for me so um, yeah no look I, I think it's a huge opportunity for me um, yeah I'm, not, I'm massively excited about it it's a huge huge couple of months uh, for me and big changes but um, I suppose it lessens the blow a small bit, the fact that I'm walking out um, of professionalism, going into a similar, um, well, the ne- next best thing to playing Robbie's coaching. 
Um, an old coach of mine who had very little hair on the top of his head uh, said the same thing to me. He goes, oh, whatever chance you have of hair on the top of your head, um, as a player you'll have known as a coach. So I've already started well on that front. So. <laughs> You're not going to discount coming back here ever again to coach? Uh, I don't think that's my decision, Lindley. Um, <laughs> the, the people inside there and up in there, if you make those decisions. But it's a win-win for Connacht. If I'm a crap coach, they've spent no money on me to find out. So. <laughs> Good stuff from John. Got a good laugh out of that one. Well, it was, it was good that it was very relaxed. Yes. And, and that, I mean, and, and that's what you would expect between two people who obviously have um, have bonded this season and had a good relationship. And I think, you know, um, I think even from when Karen Keane first came over here and he said he continued to have long chats with John, mm. you know, um, over the phone or their computers etc whatever Skype. uh for Skype and that they had you know that John had been a very very valuable sort of support unit for Karen Keane as in his introduction in his first year and I think you know that was a I think it it really is very important that for someone like Karen Keane coming here without any of his own coaching team mm-hmm. that John was obviously a huge huge um important and valuable member of that team yeah, he did mention, he said that you know he was able to look at things and then give it to John, who took it across his side of the table to sort out the issues that needed sorting out. So it'll be fascinating to see who's going to replace John for next season and who's going to be the person who's going to take these issues on and, and sort it out amongst the players. Fully agree. I said to John during the uh, one-on-one, as people will have heard, that you know you wonder, I, I know for sure, and we've seen it before, that he would have got whatever reception he's going to get from the Connick fans now would have been the exact same had Connick never won the uh, Pro 12 yeah. and I'm just curious of that reality of sport though because how good is that Pro 12 title with him captaining and I know you hate man in the match jo- or Alan but you got man in the match which just underlined what an incredible performance he put in that final and that bit you won't dispute um, no, no. you know isn't it funny because yeah, it wouldn't yeah. change what he's delivered for Connick win or, no, win or lose but there's a title there there is exactly and, and he mentioned the fact that it, it would have killed him if he'd been away and if he'd gone left, he had left, and Connick won a title without him. He said it would have it would have killed him, and it just shows the what he you know what Connick means to him and, and um, what he means to the fans because the fans know that and they really appreciate. That's what Connick fans, for the most part, want people like John. They go out, they work their hardest, they work at training, they work on their skill sets, they change their skill sets, they upgrade their skill sets, and then they come out and they show it on the field. And that's what they're looking for, and he embodies that. And they don't demand a title out no. of these teams or, or him, but. Boy, does it make it so much sweeter that he got the just well, rewards. That's that's the very point of you know when you retire and you look back, what have you got for it? Yes, he's had you know fifteen beautiful years in Connaught, and it's been his home, it's been his life, it's been his passion. But to actually have achieved that trophy has to go up there, you know, yeah. at at the top of of having finally got a tangible reward mm-hmm. I think as well you know his when he describes about his 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 love for Connett he does describe how he has why does he love Connett well obviously it's his home but he does you know allude to that GAA mentality mm. of the parish and and Connett is his parish mm-hmm. and that's why he didn't want another reason why he didn't want to leave he also says which is interesting and we've all known it but but you know when 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 one of the players actually says it and you tend to more believe it that he always knew Connett had a trophy mm. in them mm-hmm. he always knew that they were able to do it he always knew that they were capable and he says Connett are still capable you know and they will still 
you know, have have it within them to get a trophy if you know if all the things you know go fall into place. And I think that's a wonderful thing for someone to have spent his entire you know career here. He knows he's had opportunities elsewhere. He turned them down to stay here. He's a homeboy. He has that GM mentality and he's reaped his reward. And the best thing about John Muldoon is his just honesty. His yeah. honesty and his passion. Doesn't fudge things as uh, as Kieran Keane put it. Correct. He's, and he says that yeah. was speaking my language pretty much if I paraphrase what he says. Yeah, and they are, the, John has always been like that. And I do, as I, I always recall, the one moment that stands out to me was the uh, quarterfinal back in Europe we were going to play against Toulon and then it was un- and Michael Bradley's was coaching and I always remember all the national media were done for, for the occasion and I remember someone asked the question someone was doing an interview and they forgot to ask a question and they said oh gosh we meant to ask Michael Bradley about about uh, Toulon and whether to move to there was a suggestion that we would move to Tulman Park and I kind of said oh he'd probably say it's you know he's deals with the players on the field it's not his responsibility anyway someone did ask the question afterwards and Michael Bradley turned around and said well actually that's with the Jerry Kelly's you know <laughs> he was the CEO at the time and did fudge the question he left the room John Muldoon had been actually sitting on a table in the press conference swinging his legs and I always remember because he was sitting on it with his I hands under swinging, swinging his legs and all the, all the tape recorders were off interviews were done and then someone just turned around to John and said well how do you feel John excuse my language no fucking way <laughs> we are not leaving the sports ground this is our home we know it's we know it's wet we know it can be dirty but this is why we love it and we aren't going anywhere and I just think that summed up the man the passion yeah. for the sports ground the passion for his province and I just I thought it was I've, I've never ever forgotten that mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think it's telling too that uh, he referenced here in the interview, you know, when I talked about his longevity, he mentioned Johnny O'Connor and them going to do what he called the Satanta course on, uh, you know, looking after yourselves and strength and conditioning and all that kind of stuff, which obviously led to where Johnny O'Connor is today, full time in Connacht, but also just kind of led to the two of them just changing their approach. Well, I don't know if he used the word changing approach, but just evolving probably to paraphrase what he was trying to say in terms of how you look after yourself, look after your bodies. And I think that's really interesting because probably only a handful of players of his generation were able to adapt to the new ways. The young players are all coming up with that anyways, but I think it's played a key part in his ability to last so long. Yeah, I remember doing an interview with the 300th cap and asked him about his longevity. And he said he had actually, one of the reasons was because he had taken care of his body, which is the same what he was talking about Mm. With you and the Satanta and Johnny O'Connor, and he had dabbled in lots of things, like he had done pilots for five years, mm. and how he, if he looked after his body, and he used to go to saunas and things like that a lot of on a lot of occasions. And he, I think it's, I remember him saying that one of the youngsters had asked him about it, and he says, "Well, you know." I have to look. You have to look after your body in this game, and particularly he's a back row. Let's face yeah, it. You know, absolutely. he has to look after his body. And I think, you know, if you look at maybe Tommy Bow as well, mm. he's quite. He was. He's retired this season after a similar amount of. <laughs> I have to bring up Tommy Bow. Tommy Bow, <laughs> your favourite player on the planet. We were about to say that you do look at him. <laughs> no, I was interested because I was actually looking back on an interview that I'd done with the two of them um, mm. just recently for that Aviva yeah. function, and Tommy Bow had said that John. Muldoon um, 
what John Muldoon has done embodies everything that Connacht is. Yes. Ah, oh, wow. That's class. Yeah. And I just remembered that quote from what Tommy Bow had said about him. And like that, Tommy Bow said himself with his career, 34 years of age, not bad for a back. I'll just finish on this uh, because it's the midweek podcast and we're going to get plenty more time to talk about John Muldoon in the the bigger picture. I want to keep to Alan's format and to keep this nice and short and snappy. But uh, I think the validation sometimes when a player gets to the level John Muldoon is that comes from outside can be so satisfying. So I think Sky Sports did a great, great uh, expose on him in the lead up to the uh, final a couple of years ago and covered him in the way it should be covered. They appreciated who he was. But I always remember, it's just a small memory, but a game against Ulster about three years ago where he was coming off and we were about 12 points down and the entire main stand in Ravenhill stood up to applaud him off and you just they don't do that for opposing players to that level and they know their rugby but there was just this guy this guy is this guy's Connacht and uh, in the same way that I remember being on the line store in 2005 meeting a couple of Ulster boys and they nicknamed me Eric because I was from Connacht so as far as they were concerned Eric Elwood then well I think nowadays if that same incident happened 10 years on someone would nickname someone John Muldoon because that's what Connacht is like Absolutely you know he's the mole it's going to be really fascinating to see how Connacht get on without him next season Brilliant Alan Okay uh, Dave Holland's taking a break from spreading seed across the grass he's going up and down walking along keeping himself busy making sure this pitch is looking sharp for Saturday afternoon who's available injury report Well there's only one fresh injury from the last day so there's been the seven Guys on the list, uh, J.P. Cooney, Pat O'Toole, Sean O'Brien, Jay Keenan, Rory Scholes and Keen Keller, who are all on the long-term injury list. Um, the one new injury is Peter Robb fractured his hand playing against Glasgow, uh, which is really unfortunate because he was just starting to play some decent rugby. And the only other thing is that, that Andrew Brown is integrating back into training, but he won't be available this week because it's a bit too early for him. And that uh, unfortunately means that a uh, man that is going to get plenty of recognition in our podcast post-game as well because it's a big day for him as well. Unfortunately, he won't be on the field, uh, but his, his final day involved in Connacht rugby. It is, and maybe he can give John a tip. Because as a player, I should say. As a player, yeah. The, 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 he can give John a tip on, on, on how to score tries against Irish sides because apart from the South Africans, which we don't count because it's only this year, the only... Side the only side any the only country where John hasn't scored a, a try against a team from that country is Ireland. He scored against Italians, Russians, Spanish, uh, who else? Uh, uh, Welsh, Scots, English. He's never managed to score a try against Ireland. So maybe he can finish it off with a nice try against Leinster. Brilliant! That would be great. All right, look, we all think just to finish, we, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough game. Do you want to mention Andrew Brown? Sorry, yeah. The reason being, Andrew Brown's only try for Connacht, for Connacht was against Ulster, so he has scored against an Irish team. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a sad way, actually. I think for for someone like Andrew Brown, who was a local boy, you mm-hmm. know, from Renmore to to have to re- leave Connacht, um, you know, I think he's been here. Is it? something like about 13 years some, I think some, he started yeah. in the academy as well a bit like John Muldoon started in the academy obviously followed in the footsteps of, of, of his brother Damien and has been a huge huge part particularly in latter years I mean he's a very smart intelligent player and I think his he was actually missed uh, quite a lot this season particularly in the line out he was the main line out caller in the past and I think Willie Ruan did allude to him the fact that he was an integral part of the Pro 12 winning title team yes. so I do think it's very sad that he has had these injuries um, he hasn't been able to prove himself on the field as a result and I guess I, I feel a bit sad that you know after 13 years and you have to leave 
because of the injuries and you can't play on on the pitch yeah. is, is it, I think I find that quite sad for for Andrew himself because of all the years like John Muldoon that he has put into Connacht and the fact that he hasn't played anywhere else yes. and so I think you know he'd certainly I know obviously John Muldoon takes precedence on you know at the weekend but I do think that it is it you know it, it Andrew Brown deserves a huge huge round of applause for for his his longevity and his loyalty to Connacht as well yeah he's, he's only 31 it's not that you know he still has a, he's only, it's a second row that's still a few years left in him hopefully he can you know find someone else who's interested in a, a really talented powerful lock who can go out and do a job um, as long as he gets those unfortunate injuries out of the way well I think it's just one thing and we'll talk a bit more about it at the weekend that, that John Muldoon shows us too is the importance of having that indigenous talent you just mentioned Andrew Brown from Renmore just having those guys no doubt in my mind the Bundyakis become Connacht men when they buy into it as much as they do so that's vital as well the Finley Beelams couldn't be more Connacht if he tried all those type of players but at the same time you look through the squad now and you don't know who's going to take that mantle you look at Tiernan O'Halloran perhaps he'll take that mantle oh, uh, Sean O'Brien Jack Carty Dennis Buckley these are four examples of the most capped in the current squad but there's other plenty of other locally born players that could step up in a couple of years I just think that chain that follows on from Eric Elwood Johnny O'Connor on to John Muldoon is so so important so uh, that's it from me Owen McKeown as well very very key point so look from there to the end of the podcast um, we're back two podcasts next week there'll be a midweek podcast which will be our end of season wrap and we'll have a slightly shorter than usual post game podcast out on Monday uh, to look back at the Leinster game because we obviously wanted to split that up for you and, and have a good chat about John Muldoon and the event and hopefully a victory although Connacht come in as big underdogs in current form they do of course you're, yourself and uh, Joe will be Absolutely. commentating live on Galway Bay FM it's a five past three kickoff, isn't it five yes. past three yeah so you'll be on from three o'clock on I assume mm-hmm. um, so and uh, I hope the live stream will be working as well um, so if people can't, can't catch the FM they can certainly go online and catch it there so it's um, last game of the season looks like it's going to be a sellout and uh, should be a great atmosphere hopefully the weather's going to stay good too it's five past one and Dave's gone for lunch uh, he's taking a break from the pitch work thank you Lindley you're welcome I'm Thank looking forward to Saturday and the occasion that's in it yeah it should be a massive occasion really looking forward to it thank you Alan. that's it from us we'll be back on Monday but you know get yourself to the game it's going to be brilliant